Hello and welcome to Wide Left Sports. Today I am joined by University of South Alabama Deputy Athletic Director Daniel McCarthy. How are you doing today? Hey Mitch, how you doing? Thanks for having me on. Of course, thank you so much for agreeing to this. It's awesome to have people from different parts of the country on our podcast, so thanks for doing this. Yeah, I appreciate the uh, the opportunity. As, as I said offline before we, we started, I uh, We'll, we'll tell our story to anybody anywhere. I mean, South Alabama is an awesome place and whatever we can do to get the word out and build that brand, we're willing to do. Oh, definitely for sure. So what is your day-to-day life like as a deputy athletic director? Uh, I don't know if I, how much time do we have? <laughs> you know, it's one of the, one of those. Short version. Not, how about that? <laughs> I'm not sure you can put it into a really small box. Um, I've been very fortunate the last uh, five years to serve as the deputy AD here. Um, and, uh, it really depends on the day. If, I, if I'm being really honest, it's one of those jobs, which makes the day a lot more fun because you don't come in and punch the same numbers every single day or do the same job every day. Um, I, I have been in a, a couple of different, I guess, um, roles, if you will, as the deputy AD, the, the way that sometimes athletic administrators, uh, view their world is either you work on the internal side of the house or you work on the external side of the house. And the internal folks are typically business office compliance, academic services, equipment, all those things that go on kind of behind the scenes. And then you've got externally facing units like uh, your athletic communication office, your fan engagement, uh, your fundraising, your corporate sales. Uh, and so most of my career was spent on the internal side. Uh, I come up from a compliance background, but I had the opportunity a couple of years ago to shift to an externally facing role. So now I oversee several of our external units. I oversee our fan engagement office, uh, which deals with how we do on game day and how much fun it is and the marketing aspect of things. I oversee our athletic communication office, and then I directly uh, supervise our athletic uh, corporate sales staff. So uh, when you go into an athletic venue and you see signage or corporate sponsors on video boards, uh, that's what our staff does. And so I'm, I'm, a, I'm involved in a little bit of everything uh, when it comes to that. Um, but then again, as the deputy AD, I'm kind of the number two to the athletic director. So whatever is on his plate is on my plate most of the time. So uh, I get pulled in a lot of directions and it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a challenge. Sometimes it's, uh, I'd love to be an AD one day and everybody says that, but being the number two that gets to make all sorts of suggestions and be involved in the process without all the accountability and the, the tough decisions, is not such a bad role. <laughs> For sure. So I know South Alabama just opened up a brand new football stadium a year or two ago. What was your involvement in that? Well, I actually came here um, in 20, 2008. So the end of 2008, early 2009, uh, I had spent the previous four years at the University of Richmond and had a really good job up there. I loved my time up there, but I, I learned about South Alabama because I knew they were starting a football program. Um, and so I, and I knew they had an aggressive timeline to move that football, pro, football program from basically nothing to being a member of the football bowl subdivision. And so that was exciting. And I had the opportunity to, to uh, look at a job that was opening here and then, and then get that job. And so when I came here in late 2008, early 2009, uh, we had not even bought a pair of shoulder pads. We didn't own a helmet. There was no roster to, to speak of. Uh, the coaching staff was brand new. And so, um, so I've seen the football program grow from its inception and, and really and truly the, the first season was 2009, but before we could even kick off that first year, the number one question is when are you going to build a campus, an on-campus football stadium? 
Mm-hmm. Um, Mobile has a, um, a decent um, municipal stadium that's been the home to a lot of great athletic events over the years. They've hosted some Iron Bowls at, the, at, at Lad People Stadium downtown Mobile. It's the home of the Senior Bowl for folks that really follow the NFL and college football. You know mm-hmm. the Senior Bowl is the nation's oldest all-star game for, for draft prospects. Uh, and so the facility was, was a great starting place for us. It holds about 40,000. Um, but we needed, you know, if you want to legitimize your, your football program, you got to play on campus. I mean, it's just, it's what adds to a Saturday for your students, for your alumni. Right. And so it was the number one question for years. When are you going to play football on campus? And um, it took some time. It was really timing and financial circumstances and just being, um, be in the right time for our program to make that big step. And, and, and so we were fortunate to start that process. Uh, 2016-17 is when, I, when we, I would say we got really serious about that. Uh, and so I've been involved in it from the start. So long-winded answer to, for some context to get to your question is I would say in 2016, we were kind of charged by our president at the time to really take a, a, a deep dive on whether or not an on-campus football stadium was in our cards and um, our campus has made some tremendously brilliant decisions over the years or our university and never has put themselves in a situation where they couldn't do what they wanted to do. So you didn't want to take on a project that you thought you could pay for, but then you weren't really sure if you were going to be able to or not. <laughs> so obviously the financial piece was important. So in 2016, uh, we started a feasibility study that was with a pretty small group that went out and started looking at stadiums around the country that were um of interest to us and, and talking with folks at different venues to find out if you could do it again, what would you do differently? What do you love about your stadium? And so we started to work on kind of what would ours look like and what do we want and, and what do we need? And um, started to put you know, some numbers on that and really trying to figure out what that was gonna look like and went through several versions of that um, and finally settled on a price that was tolerable, a, a funding solution that was tolerable and a location on campus that worked and put a shovel in the ground in 2018. So um, I've never actually been involved in building a house. I hear from people that have built houses. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of trouble and it's a lot of, it's a lot of fun, but you're literally making decisions about what hardware on a, on a cabinet looks like. And it's like that with a stadium. When you build an $80 million stadium that seats 25,000 people, um, there's a lot of decisions that have to be made. So we spent many, 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 many hours in, in a, you know, in a conference room, pouring over drawings and electrical plans and things that I, I don't know what I'm going to do with all this knowledge once I, you know, once I retire. Um, but uh, it was really fun to be a part of, and then for it to all come to to fruition and for us to to play our first game, um, we had we had circled September 12th, 2020, on our calendars for a long time because that was going to be the home opener. Um, nobody anticipated COVID being a thing. So a um, little bit unfortunate to try to have a grand opening, if you will, in the middle of a, of a pandemic. Um, right. Obviously, there's people with a lot more things to complain about than we had um, when they were dealing with COVID. But, um, you know, we, it, it gave us an opportunity to open in 20. We called it our soft opening because we got a chance to sort of work some of the kinks out. We had a 25% capacity uh, limitations. So we weren't able to put 25,000, we were limited to 6,000, but it was, it was a great opportunity for us to kind of work out some of those kinks and be ready for 21. So we kicked off this year was really more of our grand opening, uh, but start to finish, it was a phenomenal experience. It's not something everybody gets to experience in their athletic 
administrative career. People do renovations all the time. Somebody's always renovating their facility. Right. But to literally start from dirt and produce an $80 million facility was a pretty unique experience. Oh, for sure. So your program also moved up from the FCS where our Montana schools are to the FBS. What was that transition like? Because it's a thing that a lot, not a lot of schools do. Yeah, and so we we we're we're so unique in that because we didn't spend any time at the FCS level. We 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 started the program from scratch in 2009, and at the at that time, I don't want to bore you with the compliance things, but at that time, the NCAA had had a moratorium in place on new membership, so there was nobody moving from Division One from Division Two to Division One, from FCS to FBS. All of those moves were put on pause because of a moratorium. And so South Alabama got caught in that a little bit. So when the program started in 2009, we didn't have the opportunity to start our transition uh, until 2011. So we played two years of what we ended up calling non-varsity unclassified football. Who's ever heard of that? Nobody had ever heard yeah. of that, but that's where we fell into because the NCAA didn't recognize our program because uh, there was a moratorium on membership. There's nowhere to put us. And so by the time 2011 rolled around, we started the two-year transition from F FCS, but again, never functioned as an FCS program. If you look at some peers in our league that have done the same thing, Appalachian State had a long, successful history as an FCS program. Right. Uh, Georgia Southern had a long, successful history of an FCS, as an FCS program and then made this ultimate jump. Um, we don't have that FCS history. There's no, there's no conference affiliation with the, the Southland Conference or the SOCON or, you know, any of those F premier FCS uh, leagues in this area. Uh, so we're, we're, we're a little unique in that regard. So the, the, I would say that our transition was different than what maybe Georgia Southern or App State faced. Um, but, but nonetheless, it was, it was a very aggressive, again, like I said, when I took the job, I knew we were on an aggressive timeline. And it was an aggressive approach to go from no football to FBS football by 2013. And uh, and so that's that's that that was how that worked for us. And it, and it was also uh, I'll, I'll add this. It was somewhat easy for us to do because we were already members of the Sunbelt Conference. We're we're charter members of the Sunbelt um, from back when the league was created. We were just one of the very few schools that didn't sponsor football. And so we already had conference affiliation and a conference invitation to create the program, which is a huge piece when a school wants to move from FCS to FBS they have to demonstrate that they have an FBS conference invitation in hand. And sometimes that's hard for folks knocking on the door, but for us, we were already in the league. They mm -hmm. just needed to say, sure, you can play football too. So um, a lot of things fell into place for us right after that moratorium lifted that allowed us to transition pretty quickly. Oh, that's awesome for sure. So the Southeast is kind of a hotbed for athletes. You know, I mean, Florida has a ton of athletes, Georgia, Alabama, just all the states down there have a ton of athletes. So what do you, Dude, excuse me, what is your main draw that you have for students to the University of South Alabama? Uh, you make a, a great point. I mean, the I-10 corridor, it runs from like Houston all the way over to Jacksonville. I mean, obviously it runs further west, but that you go between um, Houston, Texas, and Jacksonville, Florida, you can find a lot of talent and a lot of sports. You know, everybody circles football and thinks of, of football in that regard, but there's a lot of, of talent in the area. Uh, and so I, I think um, I, I think I think what differentiates us is, um, you know, I don't know. That's a tough question because everybody's competing for the same kids. Right. Um, right. But for us, our, I think our location is phenomenal. 
Um, I mean, to be in Mobile, which if you're not familiar geographically with the state of Alabama, and we're in the southwest corner of the state, uh, right on the Mobile Bay, about an hour from the Gulf of Mexico, uh, right, like I said, right on the I-10 corridor. So you can be in New Orleans and in two hours for 150 miles from New Orleans. Uh, you can be over in Pensacola, Florida in an hour, um, over down to Orlando in, you know, six or so. So we're, we're in a location where um, despite, you know, folks not necessarily knowing the Alabama geography very well, we're in a, a pretty cool area. Um, Mobile's the second largest city in the state. It's got a great culture. It's got a great history. Um, so I think, I think that's the starting point. And I think we're a very young and progressive university. The university, I think, 63 was when it was founded. So what are we, 50? Don't make me do that math on the spot. 59 years old, <laughs> something like that. So I, I would say still relatively young. So you're looking at, a, at, a, at an alumni base that may have reached 100,000 by now, but I'm not, I'm not sure if we've gotten that, that far. I think we're closer to 90,000 alumni. Um, so I, I think you, you, you take that, um, that kind of young, uh, up-and-coming institution, and then you throw into the middle of that an FBS athletic program that although football's young is pretty pretty seasoned and mature we've had a lot of success um our baseball program's been to like 20 i'm gonna get this number wrong i want to say 27 ncaa regionals now uh, and wow. we've been one one win away from omaha several times um so you know we're, we're no stranger to athletic success here but our campus is unbelievable i, I if, <laughs> Not, not that many people have a reason to just be passing through Mobile uh, unless you're headed to the beach. But if you ever do, like you need to stop off and see campus because it, it even for me, I, I grew up in Georgia, had been to Mobile dozens of times until I interviewed. I'd never been on campus. And when I came on campus, I, I don't know, in my mind, I unfairly assumed I was going to walk onto a campus that was maybe stuck in the 70s with old buildings and just sort of a tired look. I was blown away. I mean, it's, it's just, it's the, the, the amount of time, energy, money, and care that this university puts into the way campus looks, the way it's built, the way it's, I mean, we've got land for days. Um, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful campus. And so I was blown away. I mean, even somebody that had been in this area. So I think from a recruiting standpoint, it's all about getting folks here. I mean, if we can just get you to visit, just like when I interviewed, if we can get a, a potential employee, or a potential, you know, head coach that we're searching for, or a prospective student athlete to campus, it almost sells itself when you think about location, how great the weather is most of the time, although right now it's like in the low 40s, and that's killing us down here because that's, that's cold. Um, that's short weather up here in Montana. Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, different, different for sure. I'm, I'm, I'm like, I, I don't own a winter coat, right? So I'm like, this is cold. I don't know what to do. Um, but no, location-wise, I think is what helps us. Um, and then, you know, an FBS opportunity. I mean, that's not everybody can play Power Five, and then there's players that are better than FCS and D2. And so we kind of fill that that really good niche to get some athletes in this area that that are talented but not quite talented enough to end up at Auburn or Alabama. For sure, for sure. So being from Montana, how would an athlete that has the FBS level of ability – get to be noticed by your college in South Alabama there? Um, you know, that's a great question. I, um, I, I know our coaches draw a, a, a circle that's pretty tight because as we talked about, there's a lot of talent in this area. So you don't have to go far mm. um, to find really good talent. However, 
um, that that's that we don't limit ourselves to that. So I know if you if you if we're looking at football only, um, the the recruiting the recruiting radius tends to be smaller because of how much is available. But uh, I mean, we sponsor 17 Division One sports that, that run the gamut, you know, all the way from football to to track track and field and um, golf and tennis. And so we do we we pull students from all over the the country. I mean, actually worldwide when you think about it, because we've got a lot of international students as well. Mm-hmm. So I think it starts with, uh, you know, just um, I, I, I think about the recruiting process now versus maybe what it was years ago. Um, coaches have such so much technology at their hands that they don't have to necessarily get in a car or on a plane and go places to find prospects. And there's so many. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I've got a son who's 16 and he's an aspiring men's soccer uh athlete that I think can play at the next level, but no one's going to come and find him at Sage Park in Mobile, Mobile, Alabama. Like we're going to have to work at that as a family if we want to try to get him noticed. And we're going to have to do some unofficial visits and we're going to have to put together a highlight tape and we're going to have to reach out to coaches. And so I think there's a lot to the recruiting process that needs to be initiated by the prospect himself or herself. You've got to put yourself out there and not just assume somebody's going to come find you at your local gym or your local tennis court or your local high school because they're the the recruiting calendars that coaches face are so limited on when they can be out so i would say it starts with knowing where you'd love to go to school knowing what academic programs are out there knowing what your athletic abilities are and where you can potentially participate and then be aggressive yourself as a prospect on trying to contact those coaches but um I, I, you know, good, good talent finds its way to good places. So if, if, if someone in Montana in Billings, Montana is a good uh, wide receiver, we'll find them, you know, somehow, some way, especially if they reach out and send some highlight film, but um, you know, it takes, I would think it takes to a little courage on the part of someone that would want to step outside their comfort zone. Um, I uh, I'm from Georgia. I went to college at a small D three in, in Montgomery, Alabama, which was, I wasn't necessarily a homebody and trying to stay close to home. I had an athletic opportunity there, but um, a lot of kids tend to stay close to home. So you, you find those that are that are brave enough and excited enough to, to leave home and maybe venture out. I mean, if you're going to leave Montana, what better place to come than the Gulf Coast, right? I mean, you might as well come down here and enjoy that that cold winter, if you will, where it's 45 degrees outside. You know, I have to say, though, I went down to Arizona in December. And their 40 degrees is cold. So I don't know it what is. yours is like. No. But theirs is cold. We we played in the uh we played in the Arizona the the an Arizona bowl back in 2016. Our football team did. And it was December 30th, I believe, is when the game was. And uh Tucson's cold in December. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not even getting up into Flagstaff. I know it's cold up there, but even Tucson was cold overnight in December. But uh no, we're we're fortunate here year round. It's uh there's been many a Christmases where I've put Christmas lights up on the house in a short sleeve shirt, a pair of shorts. Man, oh man. I mean, we've been lucky here in Billings. Billings is kind of the banana belt of Montana. It doesn't get as much weather as the rest of the state, but I'll tell you, I've actually never, I've never been to Montana. We, we played football at Idaho uh, several years ago. Idaho spent a really brief stint in the Sunbelt conference when, yep. uh, when they needed a home. And so I made the trip to Moscow and then back in 2007, um, when I was at Richmond, which was a really good FCS program at the time, um, Dave Clawson was our head coach. Um, 
he's now obviously at Wake Forest as the head coach. And I, uh, we opened up, we were in the play, FCS playoffs that year and we opened up at home against Eastern Kentucky and we were scheduled, we were slated to play the winner of the, the Wofford Montana matchup. And Montana was like 10 and 0 or 11 and 0. Wofford's going out there to Missoula to play. And <laughs> we're all assuming we're going to Missoula next because they were like the three seed, I think, in the, in the right. tournament and the playoffs that year. And um, Wofford came out there and upset them um, in Missoula and brought the, the, the second round game for us down to Spartanburg. So I was all geared up. I was like, I'm going to go to Montana for the first time. I was excited. I kind of wanted to see, you know, one of those really bitterly cold, snowy Montana <laughs> games in person. I would probably regret it while I was there, but um, we uh, we didn't get the chance. It wasn't in the cards. I spent the next week in Spartanburg, South Carolina instead. So that's that was that's my right too, right? close call to come into <laughs> to your beautiful state, but I intend to get up there at some point. Oh, that's awesome. So for the University of South Alabama, I kind of feel like every school has their ideal athlete or ideal prospect that they want to have. So what is that for the University of South Alabama? Um, I think, I don't know that there's an easy answer to that or if anybody fits into a perfect box. I think we emphasize um, three things really strongly. We emphasize uh, graduation, we emphasize championships, we emphasize citizenship. So uh, the, the perfect student athlete for us is someone who athletically obviously can compete at a high level and wants to be um, successful at a high level, but we, we don't overlook our academic or our citizenship um, requirements in the recruiting process. So we, we have a pretty robust uh, academic services program for our student athletes. And, and we, we, I mean, we do prospect evaluations on everybody. So no one gets recruited that we haven't academically evaluated because we want to make sure they have the tools to be successful in the classroom. That's a huge, um, that's why they're here ultimately is to walk across that stage. That's, that's the true measure of our success during their time with us is did we mm -hmm. get them to the stage? Um, and then, you know, character is a big part of that. So if, if, if you can check all three of those boxes and, and you're a good person, you're a good student, you're a good athlete, um, you're going to be a good prospect for us. So I, I think that's more important than anything. That's, um, that, that's what I would say our, our best looking prospect looks like is somebody that can, that can fill each of those roles. Because being a student athlete is at the division one level is, much more than a uh, extracurricular activity. I mean, it is, it's, it's a lifestyle. I mean, it's, it's uh, what our, our student athletes go through is, is quite a commitment uh, to be mm -hmm. a full-time student at a high level. Um, and, and we've got programs that run the gamut from, you know, we have students that are in sport management or leisure studies, but we also have biomedical sciences and engineering. And so we have, we have students that are working really hard to, to get what they'd like to out of the classroom. Um, so it's, it's a lifestyle. And, and so I, if, if you, you know, if you've got that commitment to doing the right thing and, and representing the university that you go to really, really well as a person on and off the field, and you can compete and, and be good in the classroom, uh, those are the recipes to be a successful student athlete division one level, whether you're here or just about anywhere. For sure. So you mentioned that you guys are in the Sunbelt Conference, and that's a conference that up here we're not super familiar with. Yeah. So what's the competition like in the Sun Belt for you guys? Uh, really, the Sun Belt's a, a great league. And I, I think uh, oftentimes, and it's unfair, doesn't get quite the credibility, quite the, not credibility, quite the um, the notoriety that it should. I think it's a really good 
league football wise for the last two or three years. Uh, when you look at what App State's done nationally, how successful they've been, uh, Louisiana, which is University of Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette has been really successful. Coastal Carolina uh, burst onto the scenes last year and, yeah. and kind of captured everybody's attention. So um, I think the, 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 the league has done a, a tremendous job recently trying to make sure branding wise, we're telling the right story and people are recognizing the success we're having down here. And honestly, with this most recent round of conference kind of realignment, membership changing, we, we've come out really, really good in this deal. We, we have picked up, um, we're going to be a 14-team football league moving forward, uh, picking up Southern Miss, um, picking up Old Dominion, picking up Marshall, and James Madison's making the jump from right. FCS to FBS, who, I mean, you guys in the Montana world know how dominant uh, James Madison has been over the years as an FCS. So we, we've positioned ourselves, I think, really well um, as a league to start being a little more of a household name outside of, of the region. Uh, I think over the last two or three years, we finished um, second in the group of five in terms of football ranking. The American has been pretty dominant as the premier group of five league in terms of final rankings. Uh, but the Sun Belt's been right there behind and, and well ahead of the the MAC and ahead of Conference USA and have been neck and neck, kind of swapping the two and three spot with the Mountain West. Uh, so I, I think I think you make a good point. I do think that um, there, there's unfortunately some unknown qualities to the league, but I do think with this most recent recent round of um, conference realignment, with the success we've had the last couple of years in football. Um, as a league, and, and we have not necessarily done our part in that. We got to get our football program, and we are in the right direction at this point, but we got to get that motor running a little better to help promote that, that and elevate that brand across the league. But I, I think we're, we're going to be a name that if you and I are doing this interview three years from now, I think you'll know the Sun Belt a little better than maybe you do now. I feel like we're on that kind of trajectory. For sure. So now I kind of want to move on to basketball. <clears throat> Excuse me, because I saw the other day you guys had an amazing win against your rival Troy. Yeah. So yeah. what is that atmosphere like at your arena, any game, but then also with a rivalry game? You know, it's uh, you're, you. thank you for noticing that we, uh, we did, we had uh, Troy, which is about two hours, two and a half hours up the road. They're a Sunbelt conference member and uh, the only other school in the state of Alabama that's in the Sunbelt. So uh, natural rivalry there. We had them at home last night and won by 19 at our place. So um, we kind of pushed them around a little bit. It was a lot of fun. And now we got to go back to their place Saturday, just the way the, the schedule lined up. And I'm sure we're going to face a hostile environment when we show up after thumping them by 19. But, um, you know, we we sit in a, in a region of the country where 99.999% of the population only cares about one sport. And that's, that's football. Football dominates the state of Alabama. Um, it dominates the people's minds and, and, and that's all they focus on. And so we, we have struggled as do anybody, anybody that sits down here and plays basketball. Now, Auburn, I think is still sitting at number one right now, um, which is a phenomenal story and Bruce Pearl's done a great job, but um, there are some historically successful Southeastern basketball programs that have always drawn well and done well, but for the large, large part, most of us, whether you're, a Sunbelt school or an SEC school, you struggle with getting people's attention when it comes to basketball just because you're sitting in football country. 
Uh, and so that's been a struggle for us, but um, our program right now, I mean, we're 15 and five overall. Um, our head coach, Richie Riley, is in his third season. He's one of the hot young names right now that's kind of climbing the coaching ladder. Don't be surprised if you don't see him on a, on a high major bench at some point in the not too distant future, just because he's on that kind of career progression. Um, but he, he's got us playing a really exciting brand of basketball. We, we recruit a lot um, in the transfer portal, which doesn't make us abnormal. Most people are doing that these days, but we're, right. if you look down our bench, we've got transfers from Texas A&M, two from Auburn, one from LSU, uh, one from Memphis. Um, I'm forgetting someone I know, but we've got a lot of high major power five type um, players that have transferred to us. And so we play a, a pretty exciting and electric um, kind of athletic brand of basketball. It's, it's up and down, it's high flying. And so last night, last night's environment was awesome. We had 1800 students at the game, which is a, oh, a huge great. student number for us. And it was, uh, it was a, it was a loud environment and, and, and we, our arena holds just above 10,000, which might be a little big um, for college basketball in general. I love those arenas that are like a sweet spot around 7,500. Those are just perfect when you can pack it out. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're, we may be, our arena may be a little big, but, um, but it gets loud and it's fun and, and our students have a good time. And when they show up, it's, it's, it's a pretty electric environment. So uh, winning helps obviously when you're sitting 15 and five and you've won five in a row now um, that, that gets people excited and starts to turn people's attention away from, football now that we've gotten past cfp mm -hmm. alabama lost the sun still came up the next day even though most <laughs> of our community was mourning that um but um i'm a georgia i went to georgia for my master's so i, I didn't it didn't hurt my feelings at all that <laughs> the bulldogs uh figured out how to finally win one um but i, I think uh, i think folks are really turned on to what we're doing right now in our program just because we have a very athletic team and coach riley's a very dynamic coach and it's a fun brand of basketball. If you like a lot of dunks and a lot of block shots and a fast pace, it's a fun game to watch. Uh, and so it's, 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 it's a challenge. I'll be honest as an administrator to get people excited about basketball because everybody's so focused on one thing, mm -hmm. but when you, when you can put a good product on the floor, which we're currently doing uh, it, it, it can draw pretty well. And it's a lot of fun to be a part of. So uh, to Troy on Saturday and then make a road swing to Georgia state, Georgia Southern. So, you know, playing right at the right time, getting closer to March um, and playing good basketball. So hopefully, I, th I don't think we, we haven't been to the NCAA tournament since 2008. So it's time to change that narrative and get back to the dance. For sure. So I have a question just because I know that the big sky finally got on to ESPN plus, and that has been a huge plus for the conference up here. Do you see that that has helped your university and the Sunbelt Conference being able to be on ESPN plus where me being from Montana can watch your games. Yeah, it's, it's been, um, it's been huge for us to have that as a, as a, as an, as an opportunity for our fan base, for people that don't know us to identify with us. And, and so kudos to the league for negotiating the ESPN contract that we have that allows us to do that because um, no, nothing disparaging to those that don't, but, like we played at Southern Miss, you know, I said they're coming into the league, but they're currently Conference USA. We've played at their place. They're 90 miles away and you can't find the game because it's not on ESPN Plus. Their deal is through CBS. And so um, 
you know, to be able to watch our games, whether it's home or away, whether you're in Mobile, Alabama or Billings, Montana is, is an awesome benefit to, to us to, to have that type of exposure and that type of access. You know, I'll say behind the scenes, it's a lot of work. Uh, I, I, a lot of credit to our, to our staff. We, we produce um, somewhere around 150 a year across football, men's and women's basketball, baseball, softball, women's volleyball, women's soccer. All of those are on the ESPN Plus, plus pro- platform for us, which is over and above what the conference actually expects of us. Um, we kind of have a minimum number they want us to show, at least in the Olympic sports. Um, but we have made the decision as an institution that we owe it to our student athletes in those sports to have all of their their home contests on. So our women's soccer team, every home match is on, all of our volleyball matches, softball, baseball. And so for our staff, it's a, it's a, it's a lot of work in preparing for those events. Um, it's a great opportunity, though, because most of our hands to make that happen are students. So if you have, mm-hmm. if you're in, in a journalism major or in a broadcasting major and you want some real life hands-on experience to learn what it's like to produce, direct, work a camera, all those things that go on behind the scenes, um, you know, we employ a pretty large student workforce that works with our full-time staff members that oversee that area uh, to put those games uh, on, on the ESPN Plus platform. And so it's, it's a lot of fun. I'll go out to the trailer, to the, to the production trailer, occasionally and just watch them work and you'll have six students sitting across the the boards with lights and cameras and things going on everywhere and they're I mean what kind of I mean it, it really if you if, if you as a college student if that's something you want to do for a living and you want to work for ESPN or for a local news station I mean what better experience than to be able to be involved in the production of 150 division one athletic events a year so um, to your to your point, it's awesome that we're out there. And, and then I'll add to it the, my last point, which is it's a great opportunity for us to to provide a, a real hands-on experience for students that are interested in that field as well. Oh, definitely. I didn't even think about that aspect for sure. Yeah. It's great to have the students' involvement too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, is there anything else you want to add to this, Daniel? That you want to have people know about your university? No, I just appreciate the opportunity to get on and talk. I would say um, if you have the ESPN Plus platform and you're interested in a basketball game, look up uh, South Alabama men's basketball and catch a game. We're, uh, like I said, we're playing really, really well right now. Uh, it's it's a lot of fun, and um, and I hope that that through this uh, this opportunity to to talk with with you, Mitch, that maybe we pick up a fan or two up in the uh, up in Big Sky Country. Well, you picked up one. I watched your game the other night, so. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. I really do. No problem. You have a great rest of your day, all right? Yeah, thanks for having me on, Mitch. Take care. Thank you. You too.